Hello, everyone, and welcome to another uh, Rowdy Buddhist podcast. I appreciate your support as always. Today, we're going to continue the uh, discussion and lecture on the Noble Truth. So today, we're going to be looking at the second Noble Truth uh, of the origin of suffering. So as we saw in the first Noble Truth, the Buddha stated that there is suffering or as we defined it, unsatisfactoriness. Second Noble Truth is very interesting because the Buddha, after understanding and realizing through his realization that suffering was part of life, he, in a very scientific way, realized that he couldn't find an end of to this problem without finding out its cause. And... This is again goes back to this idea that I stated in the previous recording of the idea that just like a doctor learns about what's going on with the patient, we see that by the symptoms that they give us as we interview them. And that by finding out what is causing the problem and then being able to realize or study or see into that we are absolutely able to be able to provide a cure, but only when we realize in depth the causes and conditions of the problem. And so by examining and watching people and also through his own practice, we are able to see this cause of suffering, which uh, in early Buddhism, in Theravada Buddhism specifically, and in the situation of the, the teaching of the Second Noble Truth, those are craving and desire along with the core being ignorance. And that actually the power, the, the issues found in these things, the misgivings, the effect of these causes are what leads to suffering. And in the Second Noble Truth, we focus specifically on the causes. And this cause is seen in the way more definitively as craving. But also this idea of craving, to, to give a more concrete example, the translation comes to more like a thirst. So a craving just means a kind of passing. So we may say we crave some ice cream or something else. But the kind of thirst for the uh, suffering means that we're doing it from some other space of uh, without rationality, without proper perspective. And that thirst to me is the kind of thirst as we see in addiction. So that is why in, in many times our craving, uh, our desires are our addiction. And the most, even though we may see think that they're su a subtle and not as extreme as, for instance, abusing drugs or some other kind of uh, type of uh, object or um, thing to change our state of mind that we we cannot say no to no to in the more uh, extreme examples even the most simplest of cravings and desires um, ultimately lead to this unsatisf uh, unsatisfying unsatisfactoriness that we see uh, and that is the result which causes us to suffer so these three types of craving, there are three types of craving that the Buddha specifically uh, directed our attention to. The first was that of sensual pleasures. That means through our senses, through our mind, uh, those cravings that we have that we believe that um, those are permanent relief of our overall condition of suffering 
our overall life of ignorance. Um, so therefore, we invest very heavily in the sensual pleasures. Um, again, sometimes because they're very attainable, uh, we in the modern age have pretty much availability to anything. Uh, also, if you have enough money, anything is available. So therefore, sensual pleasures are seen as an escape uh, of our unsatisfactoriness of life. Uh, so for even if it's a moment, uh, we try to create that uh, satisfaction that we wish to have or wish to find. But again, we, we don't understand the origin. We, we haven't investigated. So again, we're, we're trying with our best mind, which is, of course, an ignorant mind of subpar awareness that we are making decisions. It's, it's absolutely, uh, in, in many ways, insane. Uh, the second one is actually craving for becoming. This idea of craving for becoming means that some, uh, which of course is personified by many practices and teachings, which of course uh, capitulate to this uh, desire, that is the idea of immortality or you know, permanent or everlasting existence, immortality. Uh, so therefore, we, we are afraid of death. Uh, we do not wish to cease. Um, we cannot see the reality of what happens after we pass away. So therefore, uh, we uh, subjugate ourselves again to another type of desire or systems that uh, enable that desire, such as religion or, again, uh, addictions. And the third is a craving for non-becoming, which is interesting because you would think, okay, Everyone wants to live forever, but the idea of non-becoming, people say that this is actually uh, a type of, um, how would you say, depression uh, in which one has given up on life. But also I believe um, the way that I was taught this concept of non-becoming, also the Nirvana Sutra talks about it, the idea of emptiness, um, that actually this attachment to this concept of emptiness is one of the other aspects um, of delusion that lead us away, of course, from what we will find to be the answer, the middle way. And uh, that is, of course, the Buddha says in the Nirvana Sutra that if one simply believes that Buddhism or the teachings of Buddhism is based simply on emptiness, that that's actually a heretical view and uh, will, of course, lead nowhere. It will just be one side of the equation and won't uh, lead us uh, in any way towards the middle path. But if we understand properly existence, which is impermanence, and the idea of emptiness within existence, we can then realize the path of the middle way, which of course is the goal. So again, this is very important because these cravings of what people are saying, these are your choices that most people take. So therefore, and again, religion, you may have even joined Buddhism with the express desire or craving of one of these three, whether it be to become an immortal Buddha, however you perceive that to be, or if that's your desire, or to become empty, to dissipate into nothingness, or simply one that when you attain enlightenment or become a higher, born in a higher realm, your desires or craving for sensual pleasures are totally fulfilled. That's why it's pretty much uh, whatever you want in heaven, whatever you desire, uh, the gods promise you. Uh, as you buy real estate in the next life. So therefore, it's very important that I believe these types of cravings as we move on is that in the approach to finding the 
causes of suffering, we look into our actual motivation. And so therefore, we purify our motivation to make sure that we're uh, progressing towards the correct way. And actually craving, the metaphor that's actually used for the idea of craving, which I find extremely useful, is like a tree with many, many, many branches. And the branches, the main branches are uh, greed, bad thoughts, which would be, uh, which would be uh, ignorance or uh, unfounded in reality. Uh, thoughts and of anger so the bad thoughts which would kind of be the bad thoughts they think of hatred so greed hatred and ignorance right and then the fruit of the tree of craving is a suffering that's what bears fruit so when we when we uh, are part of this tree what is brought forth is the fruit of suffering but we as Buddhists again the second of the noble truth is finding the cause so understanding how this tree is growing and where we can find it. And the Buddha teaches us that actually this tree of craving of existence, actually of suffering, of unsatisfactoriness, is actually based in the roots of ignorance. And, and this is where it gets its nutrition, it's where it grows, its uh, seeds fall and flourish whenever they are brought into or uh, supported by this uh, ignorance and this inherent ignorance that we talk about is the ignorance of not knowing properly so the root cause that we find in Buddhism goes to ignorance and it is our personal inability to see the ignorance due to our cravings our wanting things or even the rejection of things uh, which is the idea of concept of anger that you know we may want things but then also saying that we there's nothing can help me the rejection of things uh, in that the way we want things to be different we want to control the world rather than seeing it with the perspective of the enlightened mind uh, the example being that of the Buddha seeing into the reality as such as we say and that actually Real ignorance is, is not simply in the concept of being uneducated, of not knowing, of not knowing enough things, but we see it as the inability to see the inherent truth of things, to see things, as we always say in the Lotus Sutra, as it is, which is a really great phrase, because it, it doesn't allow you to get stuck, because again, we usually will add, even the concept of enlightenment, easy to get stuck, because people uh, prepare you know, project their cravings uh, onto the concept of enlightenment, which you'll see, as I said, in Neo-Buddhism. People constantly changing the definition of Buddhism to suit their own cravings, basically, of one of these three, whether it be sensual, uh, the craving for becoming, or the craving of non-being. Uh, all of these based in ignorance. And so, therefore, it's very essential that in the Second Noble Truth that we're establishing where and what we are basing our Buddhist practice on. So we've seen in throughout history the many examples of this misunderstanding and limited in information, which is the cause of ignorance, which is the place where ignorance is born and bred. And actually, you know, up until the modern period, people believed that the earth was flat and that actually uh, people were... Uh, and even today, there are people who believe that uh, beyond the idea of scientific proof. 
but that they actually reveal that these dangers were in their minds based on their limited perception. And again, we see this in all aspects of personal opinions, etc. And that we also see that as the Buddha, as Buddhists, they teach that as long as we are ignorant of things in the world, we are going to suffer from all of these types of misunderstandings and delusions. But that actually through cultivation, through faith, through learning and practice, we are able to acquire the wisdom to be able to discern the reality as it is, to see things as they really are. We understand this through the Buddha's teachings about suffering and impermanence of life. So therefore, we do not cling to life. We do not cling to death. We do not cling to, em to emptiness. But actually that we realize the we move towards the awareness of enlightenment, the state of enlightenment. And that the way to end suffering in the life is to understand what causes it. This is a very rational, uh, scientific way of looking at things. Craving and ignorance are the main causes for our suffering. But people suffer with their pleasures, craving for pleasures of senses, which always become unsatisfied, disappointed. And then we, of course, always go on to create and replace them with new ones. We are easily distracted and don't last long on our uh, particular likes or dislikes. But we're unable to see the world as it is and live simply in delusion uh, with our life and fears and beliefs and things that we uh, bring from that ignorant state of mind. So we have to be able to look or prospect ourselves to be able to uh, observe that is that character Khan in Khan Jin or Shikan to observe with the mind the awareness of the Buddha now it's very important for us to understand that each of these particular teachings give us a particular direction a particular practice that we need to do to to investigate and the second one is understanding the origin of suffering and it's interesting as I stated, and I will state in another podcast after this at the very end, the view of the Mahayana as opposed to the idea of the Theravadan in which one ceases to suffering, ceases um, to exist, that actually our goal is a little different, uh, not a little different, a lot different, in the sense that we in the Mahayana wish that even if this world is full of cravings, is full of suffering, through our great vow of enlightenment to save all sentient beings, that's the Buddha's great vow, but that we, uh, we aspire to the action, the way of the Bodhisattva, in which we, uh, even though we exist in this world, we do not wish to flee. We do not wish to become simply an arahat that simply escapes birth and death, but that actually to fulfill the Buddha's vow which in reality, the Mahayana, the greater vehicle states, is the reality of the truth. And that actually, the teaching that we receive from the Theravadan, the uh, beginning teachings of the Buddha, the basic teachings of the Buddha, the early teachings of the Buddha, are what, as we see in chapter 2, expedient. So it's very important to keep that in mind, because again, if you simply go online and search the Four Noble Truths, you will always see a pretty much, and even in Mahayana uh, sites and Mahayana teachers, 
will more than likely speak towards the Theravadan concept. But we need to realize that as Nichiren Buddhists, we uh, subscribe to the teachings as taught in the Lotus Nirvana Sutras. And again, as I will do in the last of the series of podcasts, is I will talk about what the Buddha tells us, uh, where he goes back and reworks these Four Noble Truths in the Nirvana Sutra uh, to clear up some of the misgivings of his students, which, of course, as he's about to pass away, they all have their own kind of cravings uh, or beliefs. Uh, even though they have attained certain levels of awakening, they have not uh, attained nor heard the actual true mind of the Buddha. And so therefore they become a little disjointed as we saw in the Lotus Sutra. Many of them get up and leave, but they come back. And in the, in the Mahaya, and then in the Nirvana Sutra, another issue happens is that they came back because of obviously their belief in the Buddha's enlightenment. But also that arrogance was still there, that when the Buddha was about to pass away, they acted as if they didn't understand anything. And that the Buddha could see their attachments, to see their cravings, that even though they had attained a certain level of enlightenment, they were not necessarily uh, able to have heard the actual true mind of the Buddha. And that's what is to be, have been expounded in the Lotus Sutra and, of course, exemplified and explained in the Nirvana Sutra. So as we proceed through these aspects, it's very important that the direction that the Buddha is teaching us, especially as I would say in the Mahayana tradition, that we observe our causes, our purposes, our cravings perhaps, for practicing Buddhism, uh, for wishing enlightenment. And that actually in realizing that, uh, we are able to see what is hindering us from enlightenment and to better see, again, we have certain attachments, we have certain natural cravings of the body because we're humans. So therefore, those are very challenging to go beyond. That is why in the Lotus Sutra, it specifically talks about faith, that if one has faith, we are able to see the path of the Buddha. The path is revealed. And again, I believe that these Four Noble Truths are a kind of awakening or a flashlight uh, or enhancing our ability to see the path clearly uh, by examining, for instance, our motivations, also our hindrances uh, based in ignorance. And to become awakened to that, that we again... Um, do not simply follow the self, where I believe many people may adapt the first noble truth by believing that the Buddha was correct and that things are unsatisfactory, but they're unwilling to actually examine nor give up or perhaps uh, downgrade in their system of uh, priorities what is the most important thing. And that is why those cravings, as simple as they may be, uh, or as hidden as they may be, because you may argue, well, this is a great craving. This is an important craving. What is, you know, you rationalize and explain, etc. But again, we need to see that the tree is full of endless cravings, endless uh, delusion. And then therefore we go to the, we quickly uproot the poisonous tree of uh, ignorance. And this tree is a poisonous tree that if we simply just cut the branches, they grow back. So we go to the core 
And it's very important to understand how both in early Buddhism as well as in Mahayana Buddhism and in the Lotus Nirvana Buddhism, which is based on the Lotus Sutra, how the perception is uh, viewed. Because this sometimes gets muddled and confused. But again, uh, this is just going over the basics. And then at the final, after we talk about the final fourth noble truth, I will make an additional podcast uh, going into depth of a different type of view of these uh, four noble truths as was later uh, done by the Buddha in the Nirvana Sutra. And then, of course, uh, Master Tiantai uh, in China. Uh, upon reviewing this in the path or the vehicle of the great vehicle, the one vehicle, uh, that of the lotus vehicle, of the um, interactive action of Buddhism through uh, the idea of faith as compared to simply relying on one's ability to see ignorance because the trappings are many, the branches are many, and so it's easy to get stuck. So therefore, we need to continue to go forward into the third noble truth and i thank all of you for for listening today i hope that this was helpful and allowed you to have some more depth uh, and hopefully uh, we will be able to move on together to the next uh, recording so thank you very much for your support as always namu myoho